Here's what's coming up on today's show. Well, it was because it was an emotional decision. They made that decision with the amount of information you were given, but it wasn't truly from a standpoint of someone who's had your best interest at heart. Let us help you reach your peak in retirement. It's time for your Retirement Elevated. On today's show, we're going to present you with the five critical questions to ask any financial advisor to help you determine if you need to further review your plan. Welcome to Your Retirement Elevated. Walter Storholt here with Scott Dugan, co-founder, managing partner at Elevated Retirement Group, serving you all throughout the country based out of Kansas City. You can find us online at listentoscott.com and tap into past episodes where Scott will drop his 21 plus years of planning experience on you each and every episode. Scott, what's going on in your world, my friend? Another beautiful day in paradise here, Kansas City. Glad to hear that. That is fantastic. We're, we're going to be in the 90s this week, and I'm not happy about Uh-oh. it. Uh-oh. Well, that's how it goes, you know. Any uh, any big travel plans for you this summer? Where are you, where are you heading? Where are you out and about? Uh, the trip that got delayed from last year uh-huh. um, to Portugal and Spain will be later this oh, summer. Oh, very fun. So we're looking forward to that and hoping it goes off without a hitch. When, anything in particular that uh, made you choose that as a destination? Has always been on the bucket list. Yeah. Okay. And I've had clients tell me it's, it was a fantastic experience. Is that like the greatest side benefit of being an advisor that you work with so many retirees who travel all over the place? And so you just get really good recommendations of where to go and what to do? I think it's served me two ways. Exactly what you talked about, um, because it's a, it's a wealth of information and insight on world travel. And so that's helped us, you know, travel quite a bit. And, without a, everyone that's been travelers in retirement have always urged Jennifer and I to get out and do it and not necessarily wait for, to do everything later in life, try to mix it in now. Hmm. And so it's that balance. You know, we just talked about delayed gratification earlier. If we're, we're delaying gratification on a lot of things, we'll probably work a little later in life because we enjoy what we're doing and we've got flexibility. Uh, but I want to travel to certain parts of the world while we're able and full of energy and have vacation time because, you know, tomorrow is not guaranteed. And so it's got to be that healthy balance of experience those things in life, have fun, uh, do those things you want to do, but don't wait for everything to be done at the end, you know, when you're after you're retired. You know, balance those things throughout life. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a fantastic sentiment, Scott. I think uh, Connie and I have had the same kinds of conversations uh, recently about, you know, uh, do we need to wait until we're, you know, in our 60s to experience some of these things? What if there's something that's really athletic that we want to do that we know might be harder to do in our 60s and mm-hmm. we can experience it now instead? And, you know, just those kinds of things. So. That's great advice and uh, something I will definitely, before we even get to the main topic of today's show, I'm locking that in as my takeaway for today's episode. So. That's great. See, you, you, you hey, all, we, we can just be done now. We don't even need to go into it. the five just critical be, questions. It'd just so. be a, a, a quickie. It's, it's, it's there and done. So yeah. that's all we need. Well, well and actually, th- what we're going to talk about today being the, the, obviously the title, the five critical questions to ask any financial advisor to help you determine if you need further review of your plan. And so... You know, talking about uh, a critical question, 
you know, hey, should I take this vacation now or should I wait? Well, that's a, that's a critical question. And meaning that that money that you spend now won't be there to grow and spend later, but it may be worth it to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and what made me think about this, uh, I've, I've used these questions for many, many years. And just like a lot of things, after a while, you, you retain a lot of information and sometimes you don't utilize it. And this came up with talking to a prospective uh, family last week. And they were just really trying to figure out how to make a decision, what they were going to do, move forward. And I use these five questions as a framework to discuss their situation and what we might do differently for them. And ultimately, after going through that discussion, they felt like it made sense for them to move forward and start working with us to help them guide them through you know, retirement. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to, let's talk about these. So if you're a current client, been working with us, it's good to listen into these because uh, you may have a few questions. Uh, if you are not a client of ours, I would listen to this thinking, has this happened in my life? Have I been asked these questions? And if these have been addressed, did I like the answer that I received? And so that's how I would couch today's. And this, this will be a short one today. So sure. hang in there. We're going to talk about these five. And I think it's can have a positive effect on your overall financial plan. So, yeah. And if and if four of the five, you're like, yeah, we're, we're square. But maybe one of them, oh, maybe I can't remember what the answer was or what, what we talked about on that one. Well, that might not necessarily be the worst sign in the world. But if you go five for five here, where all five are kind of causing some uncomfortableness, then that might be a big honking, um, you know, warning, I suppose. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and if you're one of our clients and one of these doesn't ring clear or you want clarification, reach out to us. We'll yeah. be happy, happy to walk you through it. And it's it's, it's your fault that you forgot the answer because Scott certainly would have made sure that you guys covered this. Right, Scott? Well, I wasn't talking about me. <laughs> I was talking about someone else. That's right. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> wasn't Scott's fault. So. No, 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 no. We, uh, we, so, we like to poke fun. Yeah, absolutely. You got to have fun with it. That's right. And I think this first one is, is key. Uh, and it's, have you adequately reviewed my personal financial situation to make sure this recommendation is in my best interest. A lot of key and words in that one I can pick that, out. That's a big one. That's a big one. Which one stands out to you the most? The, the, uh, the two would be my personal financial because it kind of gets to customization and not cookie cutter, I would say. And then best interest really, really jumps out at the end. My best interest, not that, someone else's best interest. With theirs, yes. And was speaking with... Uh, prospective clients this has probably been three weeks ago and they had a part of their overall portfolio uh, they had four real estate investment trusts or REITs REITs they were bemoaning the fact that they owned them um, it was a friend of theirs it was a broker sold them to them and looking back like you know what we wish we wouldn't have done this all right. And one of the questions you can, anybody that's trying to get you to do something, I always ask that you say, all right, so what was the process that you used to determine that what you're presenting to me is truly in my best interest? And if it was that broker that was selling them the REITs, his process was, hey, I've got these REITs to sell people. Uh, that's my livelihood. I make a commission for selling these things. And I'm trying to convince people that these fit into their personal situation and as long as it's suitable. And so again, a lot of the times in the world of financial 
brokers, stock brokers. It's a transaction or relationship, whether they broker a product or broker a strategy for a commission. Doesn't make them bad, but that's the exchange. It's not an exchange of defining your goals and objectives, developing a plan of action around those goals and objectives, and then finding the proper mix of investment vehicles or strategies to give you the highest probability of success, right? That is having a process to review someone's financial situation and giving them recommendations that are truly in their best interest. So using that fiduciary standard of care and that process will help you avoid looking back on why did we buy that thing from that person? Well, it was because it was an emotional decision. They made that decision with the amount of information you were given, but it wasn't truly from a standpoint of someone who's had your best interest at heart. Makes a lot of sense, Scott. I think that's a great one to start off with. So again, that first question, have you adequately reviewed my personal financial situation to make sure this recommendation is in my best interest? By the way, as we turn to number two, Scott, uh, we'll list these five questions out in writing. Uh, mm -hmm. for our listeners. So go check out the show notes of today's episode. We'll have all five questions written there for you. So you can literally print it out or pull it up on your phone and ask your advisor uh, straight from the script these questions if that helps you remember them and know what they are and, and also to ask them in these specific ways because I think there's important wording in a lot of these. Absolutely. Uh, all right, what's the, what's the second question, Scott? So how will your plan affect my tax return each year and what future tax issues may concern me? And so part of the Elevator Retirement Group's process, we do what's called a forward-looking 1040 review. So every year we gather a tax return, we run it through our process, and we help identify potential issues or potential money falling through the cracks. And so anytime that you're recommending something to a person uh, when it comes to retirement, there may or may not be future tax issues to it. And so for an example, a lot of people with the, think the idea of, hey, I want to maximally fund my IRA or 401k, defer the taxes for as long as possible, because when I retire, I'm going to be in a much lower tax bracket. Well, a lot of you know that's not going to be the case for you. And that general consensus, uh, those general rules of thumb, unfortunately, are designed for people that are usually... 65 years old, married, two social security checks, and those two social security checks make up 90% of their retirement income and have saved less than $200,000 for retirement. So be careful when the advice you're giving or being given, does it apply to you or the masses? And the reason why I talk about taxes is majority of the advice givers out there are talking about how to accumulate, how to save, how to invest. A lot of time it's not spent on how are you going to spend this money? What are the tax consequences to you and your beneficiaries when you leave these accounts behind? Vast majority of our practice is tax efficient income planning and tax efficient distribution of assets to your heirs. As you've heard me say before, Taxes are a matter of fact. Investments are a matter of opinion. We focus on taxes. Yes, we invest money and do the best job we can there. Uh, but I would I want to focus on that tax piece to try to give the maximum benefit for our clients. 
Yeah, it's huge, and I uh, love that element of it. The tax issue got to be covered in any financial plan, especially these days. All right, what is the third critical question that we can ask a financial advisor, any advisor, to help us determine if we need to further review our plan? So the third one is, how will your plan affect my income and liquidity needs in the future? So per example, go back to uh, the clients we're talking about that, that uh, purchased real estate investment trusts. Well, they bought those because they had, quote, a dividend or a cash flow on them. And the hope was at some point that that REIT would be up for sale and it would sell and they'd get their principal back and hopefully get, grow. So you, you put in money, you take cash flow from it and it grows and you sell it later and you, you make a benefit from it. So that example, if, if the client could have asked that salesperson that got him into those REITs, they would have talked about, well, yes, we're talking about the current cash flow, but that cash flow could be cut or reduced in the future. And that's exactly what's happened to those clients today. The other thing is talking about liquidity. Well, there's a substantial amount. There's about $400,000 in those real estate investment trusts that right now, the only way to get out of those is to pass away or take a very modest payout or a settlement from a company um, that's going to give them you know pennies on the dollar or wait and hope that someday they become liquid and they can get their money out. So if they could have just asked those two questions, income and liquidity in the future, they if that would have been explained to them properly, I venture to guess they would make the same decision again. Yeah, that's a big one, I think. And and realize those things are definitely separate, the income and liquidity question. I know we merged it kind of into one critical question there, Scott, but definitely important to make sure you get both of those elements understood. Absolutely. Okay. And this fourth one, I think it's another big one, and people are being a little more aware of it right now. Uh, but how does your plan match up with my risk comfort level? And I always like to say risk is really about the fluctuation of the value of your money. Meaning when we think about risk, most advisors, you go and say, hey, I'm, let me look at your stuff. Uh, I see if they have the ABC fund. Well, RXYZ fund, you made five and a half. RXYZ fund made six and a half. You should move your money over here. Well, your one, two, three fund, it made 4%. Our six, seven, eight fund made four and a half. You should move your money over here. Why? Because we have more opportunity for your money than you currently have at your current place. And that may be true, but are they going to have to take more risk to get that outcome or to take advantage of that quote, higher opportunity. And that's why we want to quantify not only how is your current retirement portfolio invested? What is your personal feeling about risk? And we need to make sure those two match up. And that's what that means by matching up your risk comfort level to how you feel about money and what your what you can tolerate from a fluctuation of value in the future. It's a big one, too. Really like that one. That risk piece, I know something you're having a conversation with everybody that comes through the door, Scott. Four really good questions so far. How about the fifth one? The fifth one is, how will your plan affect the transition of my estate to my heirs? And I can say one thing that's really changed in my 22 plus years of financial advising is that early in my career, uh, a lot of folks 
we had two social security checks, maybe some pension income coming in, had some savings. And their whole idea was, I want to leave my kids or grandkids better off than I was. And that's why they were focused on getting their kids to college and leaving them a lump sum of money. Well, what allowed them to do that was these guaranteed cash flows via pensions and social securities. And in today's world, you know, post 401k, post IRA, and past the pension world, where a lot of us today, we're, it's our responsibility to save money for retirement. We have to put it away. We have to figure out how much we need to put away, how much does it take to replace our income and, and supply the lifestyle we really want to live in retirement. That's on us. And so I think most of us today are saying, hey, I need to have enough money uh, to take care of us if something happens. But ultimately, if there is something left over, we do want to make sure that it passes efficiently and effectively to our heirs, to our beneficiaries. And a lot of the times, people don't talk about something like the tax consequences of leaving an IRA to a child. And with the new Secure Act rules, you know, those accounts have to be emptied out by the 10th year. Meaning if you leave a million dollars to your two kids, uh, they've got to take out $500,000 a piece over a 10 year period, and they've got to empty it out by the 10th year. And so most of the time, if you think about someone inheriting an IRA, uh, life expectancy is early eighties. Uh, if you pass away in early eighties, how old are your kids? Well, they're going to probably what be fifties, early sixties. What does that do to them from a tax perspective of them inheriting untaxed dollars that they're forced to take out and pay taxes on? And remember, those forced distributions from your IRA go on top of their current income. And if your kids are in their 50s or 60s, are they usually in their top earning years of their life? As an extra fifty, a hundred thousand dollars, what does that do to them from a tax situation? So that's why looking at what the plan that's put together when it transitions to your your estate transitions to your heirs, are you leaving a tax liability to them? And another way to think through that is most of our clients are hyper focused on being out of debt. You know, they want to be no, no credit cards, no student loans. They don't want their, they want their house to be paid off before or shortly after retirement, you know, depending on their situation. And so when I talk to people that are in that situation, no, everything's paid off. I said, well, what about this, you know, $2 million in the IRA? Well, what, what do you mean debt? I said, well, can you cash out that $2 million IRA and spend it all? I said, well, no. Well, so why not? Well, because if you cash it out and try to spend it, you've got to pay the internal revenue service their share. So is that $2 million really yours to spend? Of course, the answer is no. So there is a debt. There is a lien on that tax for account that it doesn't go away when you pass it on to the next generation. They inherit that tax liability and they have to deal with that in the timeframes that the government sets forth. And so that's why a lot of our clients are looking at the idea of doing IRA to Roth conversions, especially in this low tax rate environment. Uh, they're looking at IRA conversions over to LERP, that life insurance retirement plan, 
because that not only gives them a tax-free death benefit, but also gives them a pool of benefit to access when they're alive for long-term care or tax-free cash flow like it would be if it was inside of a Roth IRA. And so again, looking at making those transitions now is looking at, can we better the client situation today, but also make that transition of assets to the next generation more efficient, more effective? Because I think a lot of us, if we, if we knew the amount of money that was going to be taken from the IRA and given to the Internal Revenue Service, if we're able to take a smidge of that and basically diffuse the tax time bomb that's inside of that IRA or 401k, that we would do it. But without having that question number five asked to them, uh, then sometimes it won't even come up in planning. Because again, most planning is not trying to figure out how to be as tax efficient as possible during your lifetime, as well as your children or grandkids. We want to look at those effects. We want to put plans together to make that as efficient as possible and keep more of that money in your family's pocket. Fantastic analysis, and I see why these are such uh, critical questions to ask, these five critical questions. Ask any financial advisor. It'll help you determine if you need further review of your plan. And uh, these are in-depth questions. I mean, each of these, these are loaded questions, Scott. Uh, lots to dig in with each and every one. So simple, so short, but yet so much detail uh, uncovered with each one. So love the list. Again, we're going to put all five of these questions into today's show notes so you can easily find them and use them. Next time you meet with your advisor, ask ask these questions. Um, make sure that your plan is covering these. If this brought up any questions and you want to talk to Scott about it, uh, please pick up the phone. Give him a call to 913-393-4724 or go to listentoscott.com and find more ways that you can interact and get in touch. Very good, Scott. Appreciate you uh, kind of giving us a behind-the-scenes look at these important five questions that you cover and make sure your clients understand. And uh, we'll look forward to another episode with you soon. Sounds great. All right. Very good. That's another edition of Your Retirement Elevated. For Scott, I'm Walter. Take care, and we'll talk to you next time. Investment advisory services offered through Elevated Capital Advisors, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor.